if you would, to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Some time ago, I was asked by someone if my quiet time with the Lord and my study for my sermons are two different things. Does that make sense? Okay. And my reply to that was, not always. Sometimes, I should say often, my sermons are a result of my quiet time. Does that make sense? And this this study that we're doing through the book of Genesis, particularly uh, studying the life of Joseph, uh, God has revealed to me a lot in my own life. And it is... It has been a process, you know, so far, the, the few sermons that we've that I've been able to share with you are really just things God has shown me in my life. And it has helped me um, uh, tremendously uh, to understand more of who I am as a human being and the tendencies that I have as a human being. Uh, because we can all experience the highs and lows that life kind of throws at us. Is that not right? And nobody, I I believe in scripture, uh, exemplifies a godly response to all of the things of life that were thrown at him. Joseph always had the right response. And as we study this this man's life, I told you at the beginning a few weeks ago that um, the study of Joseph uh, Joseph's life would would be a life of intrigue, mystery, and resolve. That's our our theme this year: is be resolved. And if if Joseph was anything, he was resolved. And and I told you then also that we would be talking a lot over this next several several weeks about the timeline of his life. And as I was studying for this message, it dawned on me there are actually two timelines in the, in the book of Genesis in the life of Joseph. Well, there, there's actually multiple, but there's, but there's two primary timelines. But we tend to focus on Joseph's timeline. And we, we miss a very important timeline here. Uh, and and, and uh, until I, again, until I was studying as God revealed this in my studies, um, as I was praying, there's a timeline here of, of his brothers, is there not? And we tend to overlook that oftentimes because we're so focused on Joseph and the horrible things that happened to him. Let's start reading in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 18. It says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. 
And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit uh, that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might uh, rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was come up, uh, excuse me, up unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into, the, into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. And they lifted up their eyes and looked. And, be, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites uh, came from Gilgal with their camels bearing spices and balm and myrrh going uh, to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Verse 27, Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, we come to you as a needy people. We need you in our lives. We need you to guide and direct and to help us. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, wow, that clock still isn't right. Okay, we put a new battery in that clock this morning, and here I'm I'm looking at it thinking, man, I got a lot of time to preach. No, I should have been done. Yeah, according to the... um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I read you a, a seven basic steps to hate according to the United States government's website on hate. And I want to kind of cover this very quickly to kind of refresh our memories, but also to help us understand where the brothers had gotten in their lives. The first step, uh, according to our, our government, and I believe these steps to be accurate, by the way, Uh, hate gathers together. In other words, uh, hate always wants to infect someone else. If you've ever noticed somebody who, 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 who hates always wants to spread gossip. That's, that's always a characteristic. The second step is it, it finds a common target. Number three, Uh, Hate criticizes the target. In other words, it starts with just simple criticism. 
then it ratchets up. It, 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 then it starts to, number four, it taunts the target. The words become harsher and more, more hateful. Step number five, the uh, hate attacks the target without weapons. In other words, the words get even more vicious. Number six, hate attacks the target with weapons. Hate turns into rage. And then number seven, hate destroys the target. Now, <clears throat> we see this all playing out in the passage that we just read in the lives of Joseph's brothers. It started off with just with, with just hate, and then it, it has ratcheted. Now, we see all seven of these steps being played out in, 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 the, in, in the lives of, of Joseph's brothers. I want to say this. Hate is something that starts in the mind, and it works its way out until it destroys. And a person that hates is never content until the target is destroyed. The title of my message is The Next Link in the Chain. The Next Link in the Chain. A minute ago, I talked about the two, the two timelines that, we, that, that, we, that uh, <clears throat> we have here. We have the timeline of Joseph, which we'll talk about at the very end for just a minute. But I want to talk about the, the timeline of Joseph's brothers because in our story this morning, that's primarily what we're talking about is the brothers and their, their hate for this, this young man. Point number one, I want to talk about Reuben, the weak link. The weak link. You know, a, a chain is only as strong as what? The weakest link. And in the in the in the in the the chain or the the, the, the if you would of the brothers here, uh, Reuben is the weak link. Look at verses 21 and 22, and and when and Reuben heard it. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto, him, unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to their fa his father again. Now, let, let me, let me kind of kind of summarize what I mean by Reuben being the weak link. Number one, he's the oldest of the brothers. And one of the great criticisms that the brothers had for Joseph was that he that 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 the privilege that Jacob, Joseph's father, gave to Joseph should have gone to Reuben because Reuben's the oldest. But Reuben has proved here that he was a, a poor leader. Yes, he stopped the, 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 the murder of his, their, their brother Joseph. But what was he trying to do? He was trying to connive and sneak his way through. And, and he said, hey, just put him in this pit. And, Joseph, and, then, and then Reuben's thinking in his mind, later on I'll kind of sneak over, pull him out of the pit, and send him home to daddy so they don't kill him. He was a conniver. He was unwilling. He, would, he wanted to walk the fence. And Reuben was <clears throat> not willing to, to stand and do right. 
Reuben was stuck in the middle, if you would. He, he, he hated Joseph. But he knew if Joseph died, what it would mean to their dad. And he didn't want to hurt his dad. So, he's, you know, he, he comes up with his plan. Well, just throw him in the pit, and then later I'll throw a rope down, pull him out, send him home, and everything will be okay, all, all sins forgotten, and so on and so forth. Reuben was unwilling to do right. Reuben tried to straddle the fence, so to speak. He was not able to take control of the situation. So, to surmise it all, Reuben was a poor leader. Just because he stopped them from killing them did not does not mean he was a good leader. A good leader would have taken control of the situation. But his brothers were out of control and he couldn't control them. The story would have been a whole lot different had Reuben been a true leader. Reuben is typical of someone who doesn't want to get involved. As I was thinking about this, I thought of someone else in biblical history who did not want to get involved, who tried to walk the fence, so to speak. And that person's name is Pilate. Pilate was stuck between right and wrong, and he, he didn't know what to do. In Matthew chapter 27, in verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was mad, or excuse me, a tumult was made, uh, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the of the the blood of this just man. See, you do you you <clears throat> excuse me. See, you to it. In other words, what was what was Pilate trying to say? He's he's completely innocent. But you want him dead, so. But it's not my fault. That's not leadership. And so often, <clears throat> we want to walk the fence. And, and, and our society teaches us this today, by the way. Don't ruffle any feathers. But what does God want us to do? God, want us to, God wants us to do right. And sometimes doing right is standing up and saying, hey, stop. What you're saying, what you're doing is wrong. We need to be careful because God wants men and women who are willing to stand up and do right. Reuben was the weak link. Let's talk about point number two, uh, the brothers. Uh, another link in the chain of hate is, is point number two. <clears throat> Earlier I said that hate is a sin that starts in the mind and works its way out until it, it until it destroys.
how and what we think about determines the actions of our lives. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, the first part of it says this, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, what you think in your heart is who you are. You can be what you want on the outside, but the reality is what you think in your heart. That is who you really are. And when life goes south on you, and, and, and life gets difficult, the real you is who comes out. Jesus tells us to be careful about what we think about. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, a good man out of good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of evil treasures of the heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So, I asked myself this question. <clears throat> that, does, does hate just happen? No. Hate, hate is hatched in the mind and it grows into hate. And then we get into the seven steps that we talked about at the beginning. So, if hate is something that starts in our minds, then we need to be careful what we think about, is it right? So as I, as I read through this story multiple times, I, I came up with four things that the brothers did wrong in their thinking. I want, I want, to, I want you to see this because this is really important. Four things that the brothers did wrong in their thinking. The first one is this, the source of their irritation. The source of the irritation. Look at verse 19. <clears throat> and they said one to another, Behold this dreamer. Come now therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into, the, into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dream. So what was the source of, what was the source of their irritation? His dreams. But my question to you is this. Who gave Joseph the dreams? God did. So in reality, who were they mad at? God. Have you ever been blamed for something you didn't do? <laughs> Once or twice. We, we're, we've all been there. And yet, not one time, not one time does Joseph ever lash back at his brothers. See, the source of their irritation, they had it all wrong. And, and, and the reality is, we do the same thing. We see something or we, we hear something or we hear someone say something and we don't stop to say, hey, wait a minute, 
maybe I ought to go to the source and see if this is really true. See, the, the source of their irritation was wrong. The second thing that they had wrong in their thinking was the object of their irritation. Look at verse 19. <clears throat> no, not 19. Twenty-three, verse twenty-three. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. I find it interesting that the very first thing they do is they take away the coat because the the, the coat of many colors had become an object of irritation to them. Every time that they saw the coat of many colors on Joseph, it caused them to go back to the fact that Joseph was being unjustly given privileges that actually they thought belonged to them. But my question is this. Those of you that were here when we talked about the coat of many colors um, who who made the coat? Jacob did. Who gave the coat to Joseph? Jacob did. Jacob didn't go to the department store and buy it and say, hey, look how special I am. His dad made it and then gave it to him. Again, the brothers had it all wrong. In reality, who were they mad at? Their dad. Joseph didn't do it. The dad did. Let's look at point number three. The fourth way that their thinking was wrong. The conduct of their irritation. The conduct of their irritation. Let, let me start by asking a question. How does a person get to this point in their lives? It's really simple. We call it today a hard heart. They, they, they simply had a hard heart. They sat down to eat. After they threw Joseph in the pit, they sat down to eat knowing that they could hear Joseph screaming, hey, get me out of here. What, you know, the, 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 the cries of help. And they, what did they do? They just ignored it and they sat down and eat. It, only a hard-hearted person could do that. So, the next logical question is, how do you get a hard heart? The Bible, when the Bible refers to the heart, it's not talking necessarily not you know, necessarily about that little thing pumping in your chest. It is talking about the inner part of you that thinks, feels, and plans. But most importantly, it's that part of us that communicates to God. It's that inner, that inner person 
that responds to God. Jesus told us, uh, told his disciples in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Ezekiel <clears throat> chapter 36, verse 26, A new heart also will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. Question, what happens when a person rejects the truths of the Word of God or rejects the leading of the Spirit of God in our lives? What happens? Our heart gets a little harder every time. Have you ever, have you ever done something that you know, knew wasn't right and, and, and you had this, this feeling in your gut like somebody had, had hit you in the stomach. And you, think, and you think, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. What, what do we call that? What, what, is, what does the Bible call that? It's called conviction. It's when the Holy Spirit convicts us for, for doing something wrong. But, but, but then what, what happens the next time you do the same thing? That, that conviction isn't quite as hard as it was the last time. And then you do it again and do it again. And by the time you do it five or six times, all of a sudden you don't feel bad anymore. That is the process of what we call hardening the heart. Callousness. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. While it is said today... If you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. In other words, according to this verse, hardening of our heart takes place because of choices that we make. How did, how could <clears throat> these brothers get to the point where they wanted to kill their brother and to the point where they could throw him in a pit and hear the cries of his brother and, and, and sit down and eat a meal and think nothing of it because of the process of hardening or the callousness that happens in our hearts. Boy, it's awful quiet in here. You know why? Because we're all guilty of it. Every one of us. Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 13. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who hath made him swear by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart and turned in unto the, the Lord God of Israel. Again, choices. Choices. Hardening of the heart is a result of choices that we make. Rejecting what we know to be true so that we can do what we want. It's really that simple. Joseph's brothers wanted him to pay. Have you ever said this? Leave me alone. I want to be mad. 
Now, I know none of you have ever said I've said that. Just like, I want to be mad. Joseph's brothers wanted him to pay because they hate, the hate had gotten so bad. They just wanted him to pay. How do we know Joseph's brothers had hard hearts? Well, a number of reasons, but Genesis chapter 42 and verse 21, we read it a few weeks ago. And they said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brother. If that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear, therefore, this distress has come upon us. Now, I don't want to leave this on a negative note. So I have a question for you. Can our hearts ever become soft again? Yes. Again, it goes back to choices that we make. Oftentimes, confession is needed. Confession to God, sometimes confession to other people. But I want to leave you on a positive note here. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay. Thou art the potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. If we will let God shape our lives like a piece of clay, God can do great things in our lives. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Look here again at the, at the word Lord. What is the word? Jehovah. But what is he saying? What is Hosea saying? If we will break up our fallow ground, the, 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 the term fallow ground just means hard, unused ground. How do, you, how, do you, how do you break up fallow ground? There's a such thing called a plow. And that plow has to break up that fallow ground, and it's hard work, but it can be done. But it's all about the choices that we make. So fourth, the, fourth, the fourth thing that they had wrong in their thinking, the source of their irritation, the object of their irritation, the conduct of their irritation, and then all, I want you to see the result of their irritation. Look at verse 27. When I read this, I was just amazed. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh. And the brethren were what? Content. How sad. They had gotten to the point they hated him so much that they were content to sell their brother into slavery.
they wanted to destroy. They were content. In other words, what they were saying, man, oh man, oh man, I'm glad that's over with. Now I can get on with life. How sad. How very sad. You know, some, well, let's read, let's read verse 29. And when Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whether shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the, of the goat and dipped the coat uh, in the blood. <clears throat> and they sent the coat of many colors and uh, brought it to their father and said, We have uh, <clears throat> this have we found. Now whether it be thy brother's coat or no. And, and he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him, and Joseph is without <clears throat> doubt. Uh, Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loin and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down to the grave unto my son mourning. Thus, his father wept for him. Their contentment brought much anguish. And what they had wrong in their thinking was the idea of contentment. See, their idea of contentment, they, they had allowed this hate to build in their lives so, so much that the, the idea of their contentment was to just get rid of Joseph and everything will be okay. But we know it doesn't work that way. But unfortunately, we're all guilty of doing the same thing, are we not? They failed to realize that true contentment only comes from God. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 6 through 8 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therefore content. Let me close very quickly in point number three. We, we talked about Reuben being the weak link, the, the brothers uh, adding another link to the chain of hate. And then number three, a link into the future. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I, I just, I, I just want, to, I want to start a thought process because we'll, we'll start in, back into this thought process next week. But a link into the future. It would be impossible to know what was going through the mind of Joseph. Can you, can you imagine, think about this. 
Your brothers hate you so much they want to kill you. But then they choose to sell you as a slave. What now honestly, what would be worse? I think living a life of a slave. And here Joseph was being sold as a slave by his own brothers for 20 pieces of silver. Think about this. 20 pieces of silver divided by 10 brothers is what? Two pieces of silver. That's not much. When you divide it all out, it's not much. The life of their brother for two pieces of silver. In Genesis chapter 42, and verse 21 again, it says, And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother. I want you to get this, this, this next part of this, the, 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 the paragraph here. In that we saw the anguish of his soul. When he besought us, and we would not hear. Picture this. The Ishmaelites grabbing Joseph and dragging him away. What do you think Joseph was doing? Begging for his life. The anguish of his soul. The anguish of his soul. As he besought us, as he begged for his life, and we would not hear. That, my friend, is a hard heart. But there's hope for us. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Again, I see another parallel here in the life of Christ. Christ was sold out by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. Matthew chapter 26, verse 14 and 15. And one of the 12, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Hate will take us a lot of places we don't want to go. Those of you that know the story, what did Judas do with the money? Try to give it back. I I don't know. We're not told. But I can imagine every time those brothers looked at those pieces of silver, their hearts sank. And they could rehear the cry of Joseph. Don't let them take me. Don't let them take me. Now I'm going to say something, and and if you're sleeping, wake up. Okay? Hopefully you're not sleeping. Uh, 
But seriously, if you don't get anything this morning, I want you to get what I'm about. In fact, I'm going to read it because it's so important. I want you to get this. So if you don't get anything, get, get, get what I'm about to say because this is really incredibly important for the rest of our series in the life of Joseph. This horrible day would be a day that Joseph will one day look back and be able to thank God for. Think, let, let that, kind of let that sink in. We read here a few minutes ago that in verse 26 of our passage, it says, And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit it if we slay our brother and, and conceal his blood? Now, I want to ask you a question. Who do you think Satan or God put that thought in his head? Because had Joseph not thought it, or, or excuse me, had Judah not thought it, Joseph would have never been sold. Thus, Joseph would have never gotten to Egypt. Thus, Joseph would have never been able to save his family. And there will be a day in Joseph's life that he will be able to look back and thank God for the day that he was sold into slavery. That is absolutely mind-boggling. And it goes against everything that humanly, our human nature would agree with. You say, okay, pastor, you got me, you got me hooked. How do we know Joseph really would say that? I'm glad you asked. Genesis chapter 45. Verses 4 and 5. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near unto me. This Okay, let me, let me stop here. Let me explain what's happening. Jo, those of you that are familiar with the story, and we'll, we'll get there, but um, Joseph is, had just revealed himself in, in Genesis uh, 45, verse 1. He had just revealed himself to his brothers. At that point, his brothers probably thought he was dead let alone the prime minister of Egypt. So they, Joseph reveals himself and his brothers really kind of freak out. I don't know how else to say it. But can you imagine how you would think? Uh, 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 uh. Okay? And then this is what Joseph says in verses 4 and 5. And Joseph said unto his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves. Can you imagine saying those words? That ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve my life. I'm here to tell you that I believe with all my heart that if Joseph was here today, he would say, God put that thought in Judah's mind. Why? Because it was the link in Joseph's life to the future. So often, when hard things happen in our lives, we want to blame God instead of thank God. 
And sometimes it's those, those hard things in life that God uses so that when we can look back in our lives, we can look back and say, thank God that that happened. Joseph's brothers had their problems. Absolutely, they had their problems. And we can learn a lot about hate and how we deal with people in our lives through their, through their examples. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. We can learn a, a lot of ways not to deal with people through their examples. But we can learn how to love through Joseph's examples. Joseph was a man who never got angry. At least at least we, if he did, we never know about it. Was Joseph scared to death when the Ishmaelites took him away? Absolutely. Did Joseph say, okay, I'm going, no problem. I, hey, I know what's going to happen in the future. I'm okay with it. Let's go. No, that's not what he did. But Joseph later in life was able to look back and thank God for that day. I'm here to tell you I can do the same thing. There are many events in my life that I can look back up and I can say, I didn't like going through it, but I thank God for it. And I dare say there's many of us can say the same thing. My point is this, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Some of you are carrying heavy loads. I know that. But God is still in control. The same God that Joseph served is the same God that we serve today. And he is just as much in control today as he was then. And he can take incredibly horrible situations and turn them into some really, really awesome things. All we need to do is let him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. You are so good to us, so kind and so gracious. We ask, dear God, that you would speak to our hearts that you would encourage us and strengthen us. That you would help us to be more like you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, has God spoken to